If you've been paying attention to the sports world this weekend, something pretty cool is happening. Phil Mickelson is leading the PGA Championship through 54 holes. I love golf. I, it's bad for me because I'm bad at it, but I just, I love it. I haven't been able to watch any of it, but it's really cool to see Phil Mickelson, who was a great golfer when I was a little kid, in the hunt. And the best part about Phil Mickelson to me as a golf fan is that he always plays the game his way. Whether he wins or loses, he's going to go out there and he's going to play it the way he feels most comfortable doing. And he's taken a ton of heat for this over his career. One of the most gifted golfers ever. And people say, well, if he'd only played a little more conservatively, he'd have so many more titles, so many more of this. But he's not afraid of failure. And he's not afraid to fail at what he feels most comfortable doing. He takes the risk. Sometimes it pays off in terms of success, but he's playing the game his way. You know, in our life, brothers and sisters, it's so easy to play the game on other people's terms, to be so afraid of failure, to be so afraid of scorn or derision, to be so afraid of what other people think about the way that we are doing. You name the thing in your life, parenting, working, being a friend, but we play on other people's terms. Our fear of failure enslaves us. It limits our freedom. Not only that, it destroys the possibilities that the world has to offer. But perhaps even worse is that we become a slave to the status quo, to mediocrity. We allow what has been to define what we are and what will be. We become content with being comfortable, with being average, with being okay. But this is not who we are meant to be. We are meant for greatness. We are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Brothers and sisters, God loves you so much that He has perfectly united Himself to you. You are worth everything that Jesus went through. All of that was for you. And for us then to settle, for us then to not be totally consumed with this gift that we have received, is to sell ourselves short. To settle for something less than what the Lord has to offer to us. In the Gospel, we see what it means to live without a fear of failure. The apostles receive the Holy Spirit and immediately go forth. They are so on fire, in a way, literally on fire, that they desire to share it with every person they encounter. Now, we know from tradition that of those 11 apostles in the room, 10 were put to death for their faith. And so they went forward to the ends of the world, giving everything for the gospel. The only thing about which they were afraid was not what other people thought, but was about not being able to share with the people they encountered the joy of Jesus Christ risen from the dead, the gift of the Holy Spirit, and the gift of eternal life. Everything in their life changed, and they were afraid of nothing the world had to throw at them. But if we look to Scripture even further in the Acts of the Apostles, they were allowed the freedom to make mistakes, to mess up, to get in each other's way. By not being so cogged down, or bogged down in the status quo and worrying about building institutions or, or success or things along those lines, they embraced the mess. 
And through that, the grace of God went even further to the ends of the world. Because as we know, they squabbled over to whom does the gospel go? Just to the Jews first and then the Gentiles? St. Paul comes on the scene and says, no, it has to go to everyone. And because of that, because of the messiness of it all, you and I have received the great gift of the Holy Spirit in baptism and, God willing, in confirmation. What a blessing, then, it is. But it's a challenge to us as well. It's a challenge to us to stop settling for the status quo to stop settling or to be afraid of trying new things in our own prayer life, but also in the life of the church. Because I'm going to be honest with you, it's my job as pastor to look the cold hard facts in the face and to try and plot a course forward. If we allow ourselves to be mired down in the status quo, to stay where we have been personally, collectively as a parish, or universally as a church, we will kill the church. For three successive generations, many more people have left the Catholic faith who have been brought up in it than have stayed. And in fact, it's gone up more and more and more. And we can get so bogged down in maintaining what has been successful and good to me, what has been comfortable and convenient, that we then watch people walk away. But this is not why the Holy Spirit is given to us. The Holy Spirit is not just rained down on the church and they sit in the upper room. The Holy Spirit is given so that it can be shared. Not so that institutions or buildings or all of those things which are necessary in one way, but not for their flourishing, but for the flourishing of the individual. We are called into this wonderful mission. We have been picked hand-picked, selected by God for this time and for this challenge. One of my great scenes in all of literature is in The Lord of the Rings when Frodo Baggins says to Gandalf, would that we were born in different times and didn't have to take this. And Gandalf says, of course, yes. Who, wouldn't, who would want this burden of having to do all of the things we have to do? But this is what's in front of us. I would have much preferred any number of other things than being made a pastor of a parish in this time. I would be much more comfortable, it'd be much more convenient for me to be up in my room reading and thinking about esoteric things and looking at Greek morphology and all those fun things that I love that don't make sense in the world. But that's not what the Lord has called me to and that's not what he has called any of us to in this moment. Now maybe if you're an academician, that's obviously what he's calling you to. But he's calling us to something exciting something palpable, something new. But as we see in the gospel, or excuse me, in the first reading, what does that look like? Well, friends, we have to learn to speak another language. The language that has kept you and me in the church, that it is comfortable for us, is not known in the world. It's not understood. The language of social media changes so quickly that even though I came in some way up of age, I, college was when social media came onto my life, young teenagers are growing up in that. And it's changing constantly. The language that we speak as we hear, it doesn't mean to be something we understand, but we have to speak in the language that people will understand. We have to go out of our way to try to learn what does it mean. Because things as simple as human person, love, justice, those don't mean the same things to the same people or to the same group of people. 
You might, in this room, we might have myriad responses or definitions for those three basic terms. And what happens when we get mired in the mediocrity, when we're afraid to fail, is that those, div- those distinctions, those differences between us, become places for division, hatred, and animosity. But in the Holy Spirit, in a room enlivened by God himself dwelling among us, those differences, those different ways of living and understanding now become the matter by which change happens. They become the thing that now is changeable, that is awesome, that is incredible. To be able to enter into that distinctions and those differences and to find something new. This is why the Holy Spirit is sent among us. As St. Augustine says in his confessions when he's talking about God, O beauty ever ancient, ever new. In the same way that the apostles received the Holy Spirit in the upper room, you and I have received that Spirit. You and I receive Jesus Christ perfectly, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. What do we do with that on Sundays? Frankly, I'm a priest, and if you're anything like me, what I try to do is go have lunch and take a nap. But Jesus didn't give himself for me to be comfortable for that. No, it doesn't mean we can't have leisure. It doesn't mean we can't find time for the things and the people we enjoy. But we are made for a mission to change the world, to make disciples, to serve the poor. And we do that by learning another language, by going out of our comfort zone. And as we heard in the second reading from the Acts, or excuse me, from the first letter of the Corinthians, by building up the body of Christ, by recognizing that by loving you, by walking with you, the strengths that you have that I don't are now amplified in the body. There are things that I simply don't have gifts for. There are things that you have gifts for that I don't. There are things that I, in which I am gifted where you are not. But by loving each other, by building up, by being on fire for the Holy Spirit and being okay with the mess, we can set the world on fire in God's love. The consuming fire, the transforming fire, the fire of love, the fire of mercy. Here's the beautiful thing. Each one of us has been given this gift. Each one of us has a particular path forward. But it's not a mystery. It's not veiled. It's not something that we discover through some secret or esoteric knowledge. It's Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. He shows us the way forward. He gives us his spirit. He establishes the church. He calls us each by name. He feeds us. He nourishes us with his body and blood. He forgives us our sins. It's not easy to be okay, to be open to the difficulty, to be open to failure, to try new things. But we are called, brothers and sisters, just as the apostles in the upper room were called, to take this gift of the Holy Spirit and to change the world, not for our glory, but so that we can share the glory of God with everyone and everything we encounter.